What's going on guys? This is John Hasselbauer from the Lions and in this video we will be going through the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am preview, uh, my bets and everything you need to know about the course. Uh, before we get into that, again, make sure you are subscribed to the Lions YouTube channel. This is the biggest week for the Lions YouTube channel with Super Bowl props coming up. I'm going to be contributing to a few videos as well, so look out for that beyond just the golf con content you've come to know and love for me. Um, that includes my patented Gatorade shower prop uh, process, so you don't want to miss that. I've hit three years in a row. I will be unveiling the secrets to everything you need to know about the Gatorade shower color. Very confident we hit four in a row there. So, you know, excited to also be doing some NFL content this year. Um, beyond all of the Super Bowl props we're doing this year, we're also very active in the Discord. Um, you know, it, it's growing a lot more recently, I think, because we're hitting bets and we're winning more regularly. The, the vibes are good. Um, everybody's welcome. It's a free Discord um, and that's where I post all my plays as soon as I, I bet them. So, uh, very lively chat on Mondays, very lively chat on Sundays or, or in last cases, last week's case, uh, Saturdays when we're sweating outrights and fortunate enough to hit them. So it's a great time in there. I hope you guys are, um, you know, able to join if you, if you do use discord, it, it, it's a fun, fun time. And, and the good times are rolling here as we're four weeks into, the year and we've we've hit two outrights already um looking back at the farmers last week max homa got it done he was a very popular community bet um always plays well in california now we know when max homa is in california you just kind of bet him no matter what the number is and it, it tends to work out um the next time we'll see him in california i believe is going to be the u.s open uh or that's probably not true he'll play he'll play the genesis so very interested actually to see what his uh, his odds will be in a couple weeks at the Genesis. Going to be maybe even twenty to one. He'll be super short. Um, but uh, you know, prop, popular U.S. Open bet. I don't know if I'll if I'll bet that yet. But um, he's hot when he has a lead. You just kind of expect him to close the door, which is crazy how far he's come from being a, a sort of uh, corn fairy journeyman. Um, but I think we're actually also noticing a trend so far this year on the tour of just unproven players who haven't won yet getting to the back nine on Sunday with a lead and just not really being able to handle the gravity, the atmosphere, everything that comes with the uncharted territory of trying to close out a tournament. Uh, you know, Davis Thompson at the Amex, Hayden Buckley at the Sony, and now uh, Sam Ryder at the Farmers, all players who were uh, seeking their first career win in pole position to do it and then got chased down by more proven winners who felt that pressure and know what it takes to close the door at the end of a tournament. Um, that's always a, a little buyer beware when we're betting long shots at, say, 100, 200, 300 to 1. Um, you know, I was the victim of that on Ben Griffin at, at the Bermuda Championship. He had a couple strokes lead on the back nine with a few holes to play. Uh, got chased down by Seamus Power, who's who's not really any sort of closer or killer or presence. But um, when you've never won before, you don't really know how the adrenaline's going to hit you, how you're going to react to pressure. Um, and the first time you get put in that position, you you tend to really kind of expose yourself out there and and learn a lot about yourself. So that's a trend that I think is something you need to look out for when you're betting long shots and you're betting someone who's never won before. 
Are they going to be able to close the door? Have they done it on any other level? I, that's pretty telling. Usually somebody like an Adam Svensson who closed the door at the RSM Classic for his first win was a, a prolific winner on other Corn Ferry Tours amateur junior events. He's won before and he knows how to close events and it's not winning on the PGA Tour, but it's worth something. Um, so that's something I, I, I want to be a little bit better about when when I'm putting a card together is if I'm betting somebody who's 100 to 1, do I think they can actually win if they have a lead going in the last few holes? Are they going to close the door? If not, maybe we, we go with a tighter card and have exposure to closers who, if they're within a couple of strokes, you feel better about it. Um, but yeah, that, that was Farmer's great event. Happy to have a win between Siwoo and Max Homa. We are off to a hot start, and now we turn the page to the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, one of my favorite event, maybe my favorite event to bet um, on the season, actually. Um, hit Tom Hoagie here last year, hit Daniel Berger the year before. And of course I'm wearing my Gary Woodland Sunday U S open jacket today in, uh, in, in appreciation of really the, I think my foray into golf betting was the 2019 U S open at Pebble beach when, when Woodland was one of the longer, uh, you know, longer odds winners of a major we've seen in, in quite some time aside from Phil Mickelson at the PGA most recently. Um, so I love Pebble Beach. I think it's a shame that we only get two rounds on Pebble Beach because it's such an iconic venue. It's, it was always my favorite course to play on like Tiger Woods 2000, whatever, uh, the early video game days. I, I love playing Pebble Beach. So I've always loved this course since then. We will sprinkle in Monterey Peninsula and Spyglass Hill. Um, and it's a, it's a pro-am. It's similar to the American Express uh, we're rotating across courses. We are playing with amateurs. This week, we get a little bit more celebrity name brand amateurs for what that's worth. We probably get a couple more shots from AMs on the TV coverage. I don't think they showed any at the Amex, but um, you know, I think like Will Arnett and you know, guys like C-list, B-list um, actors and celebrities will be here this week. So something interesting to look out for, I guess, if you're a casual fan you'll probably recognize uh, casual sports fans will recognize Pebble beach and they'll recognize some of these, these celebrities. So maybe it's helpful for ratings. I think it's this, it's a shame the quality of this field because it really is a perfect window for the PGA tour to pick up on eyeballs with no uh, NFL on this week. People looking for, you know, something else to watch and a recognizable iconic venue in Pebble beach. But instead we're left with a field that includes Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland, and Matt Fitzpatrick, and then a, a, a massive gap to everybody else. Um, so the decision this week when, when you're approaching it is do you want exposure to those top three or do you want to build a larger, wider card? Um, these, these statistics, the trends of winners over the past years would say you can go either way. Uh, favorites win this event. Spieth has won as a favorite uh, recently. Uh, Daniel Berger won as the odds-on favorite two years ago. Um, so, you know, not to say you, they're overlooking this event. If you're one of the favorites, there's a lot of gutty, um, shots, uh, high pressure shots, uh, into tight greens that you need to hit here. Um, so that pressure has gotten to people, you know, like a, a Nate Lashley was one who was in contention and just kind of cratered towards the end because of the pressure and all of that. So, um, it, it is important to be a quality player here. This is not a, a hit and giggle birdie fest where, the, the atmosphere isn't really getting to you. So ideally you want to be somebody with a little bit of proven success here, but 
you also have Ted Potter Jr. and Vaughn Taylor who have won here, and they didn't really come in with any sort of semblance of form when they won, and they don't have elite skill sets, but they can get hot with irons, hot with putters, and win that way too. Um, so a lot of ways to attack this this week from a betting perspective. I will be building out a little bit longer of a card this week, something something in the middle of a pure birdie fest and uh, something like a farmer's last year where I really only had exposure to a couple guys at the top. Uh, this week, I think the mid-range is definitely viable. Um, the formula is really short irons, a decent short game, and ability to hit putts on POA. It's it's a bona fide second shot course, maybe one of the most extreme examples of a of the second shot course on the PGA Tour because there's so many forced layups. The average driving distance is extremely low compared to tour average. The fairways are generous. This rough is not horrible. Uh, there's even a few holes where um, where players just aim far left or far right of the fairway into like trample down rough because it, it just doesn't affect it. Um, we see that a lot with programs. They're not going to grow the rough out to be anything crazy because the, the rounds are already six hours and you don't need AMs looking for their ball all day. So rough shouldn't be too bad. The fairways are wide. The greens are tiny. So that's why the emphasis this week is all on approach play. Um, and because there's a lot more layups, it's a lot of people just hitting to their number, which is why I don't really care about off the tee. I think there's some discounts you can get on people who are behind on off the tee, but elite uh, on approach from under 150 yards, um, score well on short par fours, 40% of the holes are 350 to 450 yards. So that's a sweet spot. I would say that combination of proximity and scoring on shorter par fours is really where you're going to see the biggest correlation of players who play well here. Um, and then, yeah, just just California history, people who, who play well on POA, um, just general, general good form coming in, uh, all things to consider. Um, so that, that's a quick preview. I, you don't have to reinvent the wheel with this one. It's, it's look at people who've played well on short courses, especially those that are coastal courses. Keep an eye out for the weather. The wind tends to pick up here. It's hard to model off of wind. Uh, but what I usually do is just look at comp course history. Um, and then if, if players are playing well in other coastal environments, I, I tend to assume that they are somebody who can fly the ball into wind. Um, and that tends to be the top ball strikers week in, week out. So um, that that's a mini preview of the stats that are important here. Um, the next thing I'm going to do now is just try to share my screen. Um, and I'm going to attempt to kind of walk through, um, you know, in, in the weeks past in this video, I would show a graphic. Um, and I appreciate the support of everyone. Uh, again, just as a little side note. Um of watching these videos every week, I am trying to innovate it a little bit, try to, you know, change what we are bringing every week so that we're keeping it fresh and trying new things. Um, something that I think was missing um, in my content before I started doing these videos is just kind of a peek behind the curtain of how I'm building out the models. Um, and so I do want to, if, if this video works and makes sense, um, I do want to kind of poke around in Fantasy National which you can hopefully see here. And this is kind of like a, a method to the madness that I use uh, Fantasy National for. Um, so when I talk about top 10 of my model at, at the end of my article uh, tournament previews, um, that's what's being spit out here. I use the mixed condition model on Fantasy National. 
And if you're not familiar with Fantasy National, it's just going in, selecting different stats across different look-back windows. Mixed condition modeling means something like if I want to do a short and windy comp, I can select different um, different courses, mix and match them, and put them here. Um, 2023 form is something that I've been using a little bit more uh, as we're early into the season. Just any results since uh, the Fortnite Championship. Um, to really identify like the the newer uh, Corn Ferry Tour season guys who we may not know uh, as much about, but if they're popping early, uh, sometimes that goes under the radar. So I like to to mix that in, and then course history is something you need the mixed condition model for, and comp course history is something. Uh, this week we're when we're on another short positional coastal windy course. There's so many of those on the PGA Tour, and they tend to really be sticky in who plays well and who doesn't. So I love having that here and modeling it super high. Um, that's going to spit out all of this. And then what I usually do is kind of drag all of that over and then it, it kind of gets pasted in here. Um, and then this way I can sort through um, if I wanted to say, and this is something that I do a lot in my articles too, um, if you're above average in approach and comp course history, those are like the two most important things. Um, then it starts to give you a shorter list. I've already kind of filtered this by the guys I've already bet. Um, but that's been something that's helpful for me to just kind of whittle out the people who aren't. Um, you know, if you're below average in the field in an important stat category, I, I like to whittle down my player pool that way. Um, so after whittling down the player pool, it gave me this list of eight um, that I have bet this week. I've dropped in the odds here. Um, so you can see the numbers that I got them at. This is not ordered in. This is ordered in uh, model rank, but not by odds. So I will shift that over here. And now you can see um, Seamus Powers, where I started my card at 27 to 1. Uh, I was on Seamus Power last year. I thought we were in for... Uh, back-to-back heartbreak after Russell Henley's collapse. He had he broke the 36-hole record uh, for scoring at this event and then just bled strokes on the Monterey Peninsula and couldn't recover um, on Sunday. But uh, obviously fits the course well for those first two, Spyglass and Pebble. Um, no, he can go low here and has picked up a win recently at Bermuda, which I think is actually one of the better uh, comps one-to-one -one with what you need to do. Um, at Pebble Beach. So I love the 27 to 1 odds there. I was considering starting at, you know, the teens with like a Victor Hovland, but um, as much as I love him, I, I just couldn't pull the trigger there. Um, at I think 12 to 1 is, is the longest that I saw. So with starting with Seamus Power, that means that we're going to have flexibility to afford a lot more players on the card. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, I thought he'd be about 30 to 1. Another player who finished well at the Bermuda, I think he was actually runner up to Seamus Power. Uh, he's making his debut here this week, but um, obviously fits the course well. Uh, by coincidence, Ben Griffin was also in the mix at Bermuda. The top three guys great at Bermuda. It's not the only comp course that I used, but um, you can see here beyond Bermuda, they're also just all top 10 in, in comp course history. I think that's super important here. Um, Dietrich and Griffin, I believe, are both making their debuts here. They are. Um, from a course history standpoint, but um, all guys playing in good form who can do well on short coastal tracks. That's really the recipe that we're looking for this week. Um, Alex Smalley, another coastal guy, uh, top 10 in approach, top 20 in comp courses. Uh, sometimes it really is that simple. 
Um, the proximity is 75 to 150 range and par 4, 350 to 450. I think is the most simplistic way that you can look at uh, whittling down players this week for the most part. You can see everybody that I chose to bet is is ranking out very well in both of those categories, um, especially Ben Griffin, top top three in both of those. That's huge. We know he, so far in his rookie season, is really thriving on the shorter courses. Um, after Smalley, David Lipsky, he was my spotlight player um, of the week this week. We are two for four on spotlight plays winning. So a good omen for Lipsky going into this week. I love that we were able to find a 70 to one on him. He was about 120 to one at the Amex last we saw him um, and he missed the cut. So I was not sure what odds were going to shake out to, but I'm very happy to get a 70 in a weak field like this. Great coastal player. Uh, again, top 40. That's pretty solid. Top 10 in approach. He's the type of player who is not very good off the tee, but on a second shot course, that won't hurt him at all. I think this is probably the best. This is the best setup that you could get for David Lipsky. So um, excited to see how he does this week. And also interesting to note, good drives gained. He is number five in, in this week, despite. And let me see if I have uh, off the tee over here. He, but uh, let's see, he's thirty fifth in strokes gained off the tee, which is. Actually, better than I thought he would be, but um, not somebody who gains on uh, distance. So he really does rely on hitting fairways in order to gain. Um, but his approach is so good that he's still top five in good drives gain. I love that for this course. Um, Robbie Shelton, somebody I wrote up in my sleepers article this week. Somebody who, um, you know, the 2023 form um, filter is something that. Um, I add in to identify guys like Robbie Shelton, who I didn't really know much about before this year, didn't really have a proven track record on the PGA tour until very recently, but won twice on the corn Ferry tour at the end of last season, two wins since June, uh, going back to the top. When we talk about people who know how to close out a tournament, he's won professional events twice, uh, in the last six months that that goes a long way. I know it's the corn Ferry tour, not the PGA tour, but I would argue it's more pressure to win on the Corn Ferry Tour because the stakes of a win just means so much for the stability of your career and your future, chasing your dreams and all of that. So uh, when you win on the PGA Tour, it's it's for a lot of money um, and it's you know stability for an extra year and qualification is into bigger tournaments. But not to dismiss how much pressure there is on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour, I, I'm impressed by anybody who can win twice there. There's a very short list of players who've done that in a season. Um, and he's just racked up a ton of top 25s. I believe he has multiple top 10s over his last four starts. So coming in in good form, he is making his debut here. Uh, as you can see, he hasn't played here before. But um, yeah, 90 to 1 on a player in great form who's uh, peaking on approach. I like my chances there. Um, Nick Hardy. Uh, kind of a ball striking specialist. If you look at his ball striking numbers here, he is fourth in strokes, strokes game, ball striking. He is ninth in strokes gained off the tee. And most importantly with approach, he's 11th. So that's how, that's how much consistency he's shown off the tee and on approach when we're playing a windy course, ball striking is important. You need to flush it. You need to hit it off the center of the face consistently to, to just flight piercing shots through the wind. That's going to be so crucial here. Um, short game obviously is also important, uh, on super small greens 
Wish he was a little bit stronger in that area, but uh, he's 100 to 1, so you can't have everything. I'll take, if, if I have to choose, I'll take elite ball striking and take my chances that the short game shows up or that he's neutral there because he's capable of playing himself into contention uh, with the ball striking alone. And Ben Martin, my favorite value of the week, 300 to 1 here, uh, top 20 in both the proximity on the short range and uh, uh, par four, short par four scoring. Uh, a player who doesn't fit the can close out a tournament uh, narrative, um, but I bet an each way on him just to kind of safeguard on that. Uh, at the RSM Classic, he finished T21, but he was the co-leader going into Sunday. Obviously, atmosphere pressure of um, you know the leaderboard weighed on him a little too heavily, but maybe he learns from that. I'm not going to not bet him at 300 to one because he didn't close out a tournament. I'm encouraged that for three days he played well enough. Uh, to put himself in that position. Uh, a great short course player, doesn't have a lot of distance, but can lean on the irons. Uh, 28th on approach for somebody 301. Uh, that's pretty solid. I'll take my chances on that. Um, so that is a quick breeze through my bets. I have eight outright bets this week. Uh, I also tweeted out um, this morning, the top 20 market is a weird one this week. DraftKings is, has been awfully generous in the week before Super Bowl. Um, currently there are plus odds on everybody in the field, including all the favorites, uh, who are about minus 190 everywhere else, um, for top 20 placements. So, um, just to, you know, I usually don't have my placements in by now, but I took top twenties on Spieth and Hovland at plus odds. I think that's crazy, uh, in such a weak field. So hopefully you have a chance to take advantage of that too. That's definitely a misprice. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for Pebble Beach. We are going for back-to-back -back wins. We are going for three wins in uh, in four weeks on the PGA Tour. That would be great. And we're going for three straight AT&T Pebble Beach winners uh, after hitting Daniel Berger and Tom Hoagie the last two years. So uh, maybe a heat check week, but uh, you know, definitely feeling good about the way we're seeing the board. And hopefully we hit one more uh, one more winner and close out the three-peat. That's going to do it for me this week. Best of luck with all your bets this week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am.